My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're gonna be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're gonna be doing one thing, and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. For the hard way, joining me as usual, it's Kairos. Hello. Chasanga. What's good, people? And G. What up, what up, what up? Now, if that sounds like really well rehearsed and polished, that's because it is. This is the second time I've <laughs> got <laughs> this damn intro, because the gremlins will definitely in effect this, <laughs> this week. Speaking of gremlins in effect... I mean, talk about multiplying like there's nobody's business. We have, I would say, man, a feast this weekend. Not only do we have Fight Island 3, we've also got Bellator 242. But in the rearview mirror, we've just witnessed Fight Island 2. And you know what? Considering that this coming weekend we've got a seven-fight main card, which is careering towards us at breakneck speed you know i thought it was only right just to press the brakes just to pause just to scrrr, as they say in uh, modern day parlance um and devote you know a fair portion of this show around the many talking points that have emerged from the island and that is fight island and you know what it's only right that we start off at the scene of the crime, and that is UFC 251, the preliminary bout, actually, between Roman Bogotov and Liado Santos. Now, there is a reason, a specific reason why we're starting at this point. Here to actually unpack why is Jusanga Malata. Hi, guys. Uh, as, as you all know, Roman Bogotov's uh, UFC debut was uh, eventful to to say the least of course he took on the veteran the 40 year old which is uh which is baffling to say because i still think he's relatively young young uh, leonardo santos in the preliminary bouts and to say that his bout was littered with uh, fouls would be somewhat of an understatement i mean this man uh, fell fell afoul of the rules on multiple occasions and it seemed to me that he lost his head half, halfway through the fight and just thought i'm losing Fuck this! I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be dirty the whole way. And excuse my uh, my French there, but what I want to talk to you guys about isn't actually about any of Roman's actions. It's well, it, well, the action a long time ago of one of his one of his coaches and uh, one of his training partners who is actually a professional fighter as well. During the UFC 251 broadcast, it emerged whilst Roman Bogatov was being cornered, emerged that one of his coaches, Alexei Kaiser, I think I pronounced that correctly had a tattoo a neo-nazi tattoo on his right elbow i believe and the the aforementioned tattoo was uh the sonnenrad which is the nazi black sun now during that broadcast somebody somebody amongst the plethora of people following uh, the fight card tweeted it out and i myself after briefly and perhaps maybe <laughs> maybe foolishly in in hindsight <laughs> Uh, did some research into it. I tweeted, and uh, I tweeted about it. And my initial tweet was, "I will go to you and get it." It was, 
yikes, Roman Bogatov's coach with the neo-Nazi tattoo, and I had a palm in, uh, face and palm emoji with that. And nobody really noticed the, the tattoo or really said anything in the, in the ensuing days, but I soon found out <laughs> that some people did see the tweet because I got a myriad of messages both on Instagram and on Twitter of people accusing me of mistaking the tattoo for uh, another symbol called the Kolovrat. Now, I briefly did some research into that and then I saw... Sorry about that. I'm just about to lose... about to cough there. <coughs> and then I saw that the Kolovrat is a symbol that has been used uh, in the... well, used by Slavs for um, a long time. So... After seeing this, I did my journalistic duty and I issued a correction, a lengthy correction, which all of you guys can still see. But since then, since, uh, since that uh, correction, uh, one of the best scribes in mixed martial arts, and I think probably the man who should receive the award of mixed martial arts journalist of the year each and every single year for the work that he does, Karim Zidane did a lengthy piece and an interview with Roma Rogatov's coach, Alexei Kaiser, and his tattoo. And in his piece, which is on Bloody Elbow, and you can find it on Karim's Twitter, it actually shows clear as day that Roman's, uh, not Roman, sorry, Alexi's tattoo is indeed that of the Black Sun. Uh, again, which for some of you, if you're just tuning in now, is a Nazi tattoo. Now, Alexi, well, I've even skipped some of this story as well, as well as doing my journalistic duty and apologizing to, uh, apologizing on Twitter to Alexi and to Roman. I sent Alexi a message on, to, on uh, Instagram because again, it's all well and good saying saying things and then not not sending the message to a person. So I sent a message to him, and then he put up, he screenshotted my uh, my my DM, and then he put it up on Instagram, and he. He said he essentially said that he's going to sue me for moral compensation. So in his interview with Kareem, he said, "For you, it has one meaning. For me, as a Slavic person, another. Not a single coloured person has been harmed by me. I have nothing to do with this. You overreact and look for a grain of discord where there is none. And when pushed on the extreme ideology linked to the colour right, the symbol which he claimed his black sun tattoo was, he said again." For you, this has one meaning. For me, another. Let's close this subject. Now, I don't think you really can close this subject because it is clear as day that this is a Nazi tattoo and the Nazis have no place or anybody who even flirts with their ideology or or romanticizes them in any way have no place on this earth. My guys, my guys, my, my question to you guys is what were your thoughts on initially your reaction to when you saw the, the tweet of the tattoo and what are your reaction, what's your reaction been to the last few days? Ladies first, G. Thank you. Um, my reaction was that I don't really, I don't really, I'm not well versed in like racist tattoos, but I know that there's um, placement in certain um, tattoos when it comes to racism, like I know about like sons or things, you know, like, um, what's it called? Um, things on the elbow and mm -hmm. whatnot. I know that sometimes they can be racist. So when you brought it up to my attention, I was like, just make sure you fact check it mm -hmm. so that you know, you know, before anything goes down. And 
I just thought it was suspicious. I thought the placement was suspicious. I thought possibly maybe, you know, like the article says, he was disguising it. I just was side-eye glancing it and then come to find out, boom, it is uh, a racist tattoo. And I wasn't surprised at all. I think nowadays these groups are getting sophisticated with where to put the tattoos, how to change them, but still they want to represent their little racist groups. So I wasn't surprised at this at all. And I think you did a really good job uncovering this. And it's unfortunate that they tried to, you know, extort you or whatever that was, but I think you still did like a really good job with it. You exposed this and and I'm glad you did. Mike, what's your thoughts? Well, for me, the first red flag was when in the comments they immediately defaulted to racist uh, diatribe and, and, and racist mm-hmm. um, ideology. And, you know, going as far as, you know, to invoking, you know, the word nigger in their um, comments, I thought, hold on, that is an absolute red flag. The second thing is when you put it all together and, you know, initially, I have to say there, there, there was for me, similarity between the symbols, but I wasn't like dead certain as to if it was the exact same symbol that, you know, was purportedly racist. But the more it wore on, as in the episode wore on, with the, you know, well, it seemed like attempts at extorting you, for want of a better word, because it was almost mm-hmm. like, okay, let's come to terms. Let us, let, let's, let's kind of like discuss what compensation we're going to be talking about here. Our solicitors are going to be in touch. Now, that for me was the second red, red flag. But just reading Kareem's expertly put together um, investigation and expertly put together um, words around the symbol, I suppose several things do spring to mind. Now, Kaiser, Kaiser, uh, I don't know how you actually pronounce his name. When you look at the fact that he is uh, undoubtedly now, considering that the investigation that Karim has actually carried out does actually um, say this in no uncertain terms, he's sporting a Nazi tattoo. It's been found that he has previously fought for a neo-Nazi promotion. He's actually Mm -hmm. posting neo-Nazi sentiments on his socials and also wearing neo-Nazi clothing. You don't really need to be Columbo to work out. When you put all of that together, (laughs) that the cowardly way in which he's conducting himself, because it is cowardly. I mean, if you're going to be racist, if you're going to be a Nazi, say it with your chest. Don't say this is to do with a pagan symbol and then retract um, your sentiments. When you look at the whole... Um, episode and when you look at everything that I've just described there about the tattoo about the fact mm-hmm. he's fought for a promotion and when you look at his Nazi sentiments and when you look at the Nazi clothing um, that's my only wish in all of this okay, I'm not going to say you know um, these people should hide underground, they should have no say, they should have no freedom of speech but if you are going to have the ideology, own it say it with your chest but it just speaks of cowardly behavior. The whole episode has just made me thought, or made me, it's made me think, well, it's led me to believe that, A, the people that follow these people um, haven't got any ownership of the fact that, you know, this is Nazi, uh, Nazism true and in its, in its rawest form. But, you know, just the whole way in which this was kind of like put out there, it made me think, well, maybe they were just trying to save their whole, their whole, whole, their own skins after it had been discovered that they were actually, you know, um, of the Nazi persuasion. So it left the whole thing left a real uneasy taste in my mouth as far as I'm concerned. 
Kairos, what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I know a f- I know a few things about like neo Nazi tattoos and that sort of thing because I've always just been paying attention to, like the prison system and it comes up. You know, I know like fourteen twenty three and the European kindreds and like I'm familiar with certain racist tattoos. The Black Sun one, I I was familiar with, but I wasn't like the picture that I saw that you originally posted. I couldn't like make out exactly what it was with, from that picture, so that's why I was kind of borderline cooning when you asked me about it, because I I legitimately was trying to get them like as much bail as possible mm-hmm. for the simple fact that I know those claims are very damning, and I I oh, hate to be like to, to jump the gun and be like yeah you motherfucker like because that's dangerous you know and um so at first I was like I don't know man I think you should check blah 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 and then i went to his social media too and i was looking through a lot of his stuff and i was just like mm, this is strike two and i'm glad you pointed out the fact that he fought for a neo-nazi fighting promotion because i also found out about mm-hmm. that too and i was like okay that's the accumulation of blows right there that's like you dug your own grave at this point it he, he could come out and actually be trying to tell you no i'm not racist but because of the stuff that you did I, it it doesn't look good for you my man and i'm not and i'm mm-hmm. gonna be real i think you are racist based off of all this evidence a lot of people have been convicted right. for a lot less stuff than what you just did and that's not okay whatsoever like period point blank and i'm gonna be straight up with you a lot of you guys who are cr- crying about people being social justice warriors as if it's a bad thing to fight for social justice or it's a bad thing to hold people accountable for what they do or if it's a bad thing to be against nazis and mass murderers i i i don't understand how you guys can find it within yourselves to defend this sort of stuff i get it everyone mm-hmm. deserves their right to freedom of speech yes they do they have the right to stay with their chest yes they do but yes. you no longer have the right to hide mm. i'm sorry that you're upset that you've been permitted to the light after generations and generations of you abusing people and victimizing people and now that you're the tables are turned on you you're getting upset no and you can't play this whole game of i should be allowed to say what i want you're attacking me for my beliefs yes the same way you were attacking people for just living their goddamn lives like what what are we talking Mm -hmm. about here and if and if you don't shun these people and call them out and have discussions like this history can repeat itself let's not forget what happened when we didn't do that and we went along with things you Um, know like um, it it became a tragedy correct so you you say that's our job to Go ahead, go ahead. No, I completely agree with you. You say that, but I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's well, there's borderline genocide going on in China right now, and nobody's talking about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. You, with the we, with the we, and, yeah, nobody's talking about it. So yeah, the, with the Muslims on the um, yeah, the, the Uyghur Muslims, between, you know, Russia yeah. and Chinese, correct? Yeah, yes. and another another thing that Alexei also said that um, I was responsible for was the release of Roman Bogatov. That Bogatov was released from the UFC. Now. I immediately, as soon as he said that, I went and looked at Roman Bogatov's uh, social media channels. And on Instagram, on one of his Instagram stories, he posted, uh, he reposted uh, a story from a Russian journalist who had said that Bogatov has denied, uh, denied suggestions that he's been released from the UFC. And that claim was subsequently verified by both Dana White and Mick Maynard at the uh, the fight night, I, yeah, the fight island two post fight press conference where he said he hadn't been released, but Alexi's claim that that's happened, as I said, has led to a myriad of messages that of well of a racial nature being sent my way from Eastern European people or or people, Russian speakers. I'll, I'll read one of them out to you and excuse my use of, uh, of of bad language and derogatory language. But one message I received was, "Well, you faggot Negro." 
you've been slandering people enough bastard blah blah and that was just the tip of the iceberg for for you but also for as many people who were spouting that shit i'm sorry i i was questioning if i could swear on this but i can i'm not in the office i can i can i can, I can, I can all right, swear I'm like, why are you but there there were there are also plenty of of russians and people who had knowledge of this uh of, of these tattoos and, and their ideologies and their histories who who messaged me and said no you are indeed correct and the tattoo that he's claiming his tattoo is is also a racist symbol so that was that that was uh kind of a, a silver lining to to this dark cloud but i just want the whole episode to be over with and yeah yeah that's that's all i have to have to say on it i will however say that perhaps i was a bit too i jumped the gun a bit too much and i should have done some more research which is my journalistic duty but at the same time i will not apologize for calling out this man and for well his he's claiming that his ufc dreams have been shattered by me calling calling this out but i mean the writing was on the wall as soon as you got that tattoo I don't think you should be so hard on yourself. I think the most admirable quality yep. which you displayed over the last few days is was as soon as you thought that you had got the wrong angle, the wrong story, and um, you know um, the wrong end of the stick, you you were horrified, and that you were really keen to rectify it ASAP. Mm-hmm. And which you did, you put that out there, which you didn't have to. You could have slid into the guy's DMs and said, "Look, I'm sorry about this. I, I, I it looks like I've misjudged the situation." No, you made it public, you made it known, and you made it known ASAP. So now, congrats, and you know, uh, well done to you for recognizing um, that if you had got it wrong initially, which was your your initial thought, that you wanted to rectify it because you could really well have just swept it under the carpet which you didn't well as as my dad said as a man you've got to take your licks so that <laughs> and and as, and and in general it, as as i said so imagine the scenario if if it turned out that it hadn't been that tattoo and then i'd put that out there i've i i'd feel horrible if i didn't if i didn't do the right thing so that's why that's why i put it out there but anyway let's let's move on from from uh, that Mr. Kaiser and hopefully well, I, 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 yes you can yeah I agree with Mike you're being way too hard on yourself because yeah that's sure that could have mm-hmm. been a possibility but that wasn't but that didn't happen so first of all fuck this guy because oh my my <laughs> dreams are shattered oh god my world's on earth guess Lies. what guess what buddy Lies. guess what buddy there are so many people whose lives have been on earth for a lot less than what you've done. A, B, don't act like this is something Mm -hmm. that you didn't know was gonna happen. The UFC has cut ties with people like this before. Tyler Manowario got cut from the UFC before he even stepped foot inside the actual octagon. People forget that that man was calling people the n-words all up and down his instagram and twitter and then when they finally cut him he was like guys i can't find work i can't do this anymore because all you snowflakes and babies and social justice words blah blah you act like we forgot about that you deserved it gets me do you know what gets me about all of this is that they act like their rights were violated no you were just fired for horrible things that you do when you're off work companies don't want to work with you when you represent something that's like racist they can't make money with you it's business it's not a rights violation you did not ruin this man's life he got a racist tattoo it was identified and he was let go that is not your fault at all and that's what happens when you engage in behavior like that i just don't understand why people feel like so violated you got caught doing some dumb shit and you got fired yep. <laughs> that's it well and i commend you for exposing that 
then there's no apology needed. And you handled it um, professionally when you thought you had misspoke. And I commend you for that as well. Well, just for clarity, um, Alexi was n he wasn't officially signed to the UFC. I think he because he was in uh, on Fight Island, he he'd come to an agreement where he could be uh, an an alternate heavyweight if need be. But as soon as the UFC became aware of that, they were just like, nah. Right, and that's not shattering his dreams. Like it's a, that's an exaggeration. You're being held accountable for your shitty behavior and your nasty tattoo. Yep. Well, anyway, let's. Uh, as I said, let's move on from that and talk about the good things that have come from Fight Island, namely the good fights. Mr. Morgan, over to you. Boom! This is a lovely segue because I'm, of course, going to delve straight into the main man, Mark D. Casey, who this past weekend um, had a fantastic battle, war, clash with Rafael Fiziev. Now, I'm going to put my hand up here. Before the actual clash took place, I uh, texted Mark and I said, Mark, you got this. This is going to be a one-round war and you're going to be walking out there victorious. Let's set up an interview now and, um, you know, we'll talk about your win. Now, two things uh, to credit Mark with. One, the fact is, obviously, the unanimous decision war that we saw um, at the weekend didn't go Mark's way. Two unanimous uh, decisions typically have people um, retreating to their beds, you know, with mm. all due respect uh, Mark didn't do that, he held his head high and said, okay there are some shortcomings which I need to fix and need to fix quick, fast, in a hurry um, I will still do this interview I'm happy to talk to you, so that's why this episode has actually been delayed, that's why um, we're actually uh, a few days late with the WOCast because basically I wanted to wait until Mark was ready and he was ready quick fast in a hurry so that's the second thing I, I wanted to commend him with and and thirdly you know I said there were two things but the th third thing I just remembered was that that 50k that both Mark and Raphael picked up was well deserved I mean that mm -hmm. was a stunning display of combat strikes I mean we're talking about indomitable spirit in terms of keeping going considering what Raphael if you look at his highlight reel has done to previous opponents Mark Boy. stood up to yep. that test now for me um, I have done I feel enough talking I'm going to uh, make my point after we come back after Mark D. Casey's interview Hello. there he is back in the building it's Doncaster's finest the man, the myth, the legend it's Mark Bonecrusher D. Casey what's going on bro? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm really good, really good. After seeing your performance this weekend or this past weekend, I've got to admit that was a sight to behold. I mean, I guess all the uh, the bumps and bruises, if there were any, have uh, all but um, well are now just a distant memory for you. Yeah. What do you mean? Explain that. Well, of the kind of like cracking shots which I, I saw you take, I'm, I'm guessing that you're all healed up from that. Or they didn't register at all on you? No, I can't remember. I'm good. I'm back in training. Nice. Wow. One of the things which uh, I took away from that whole performance, you know, first of all, let's re rewind. I take it you went in there, um, basically maximum peak. You were uh, at, at your highest level, right? I would say, I would say it was, a few things went on. I don't want to blame it, blame, blame it, but... 
I think I wouldn't say I was at my maximum. I was good. I was fit enough to go. I could have, if the game plan were different or something, I changed a couple of things, I probably would have won the fight. Really? That, that, that's interesting you say that because from what I could see and what I could make out, this was kind of like, do you remember I, I, I spoken to you about this before? There are two people who turn up to fight when you're in the cage. There's Mr. Casey and there is the bone crusher. For me, there, there was there was definitely the bone crusher in there with the flying and, 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 the, and the, the flashy techniques in there, no? No, nah, no, nah, I would say it was not. I'm, I'm more calculated now. Or maybe, it may, I could have been, I don't know, I could have been, it just, I'm not registered yet. I think you're right, you've called me too early, I'm still registering my stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm still registering. A, a lot of things I could have done right in the fight, I didn't do. So I'm still at home registering. I mean, like what? I mean, put it put it this way. You went up against Rafael Fiviers. First of all, again, let me take a step back. I went into this thinking, Mark has got this. He's going to dominate this guy. He's going to tear him apart. But I remember, you know, speaking to you, and I remember we were texting before then. You were kind of yeah. like more measured. You were more, hold on a minute, I'm giving him the respect that he deserves. And it was me that was kind of like, nah, bro, you're <laughs> going in there. You're going to tear him a new one. What was it that you knew that I didn't know? going into I this. I know because it's different. One, nothing would phase him because I, I know a lot of guys looking at the size like I'm bigger than him. So I might go there and try to bully him because I'm aggressive, explosive. I knew nothing I could bring to him would phase him because he's seen everything. He's had over 200 fights, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's used to that way. He's, he's fought a lot. I haven't had any of that, any experience. So he knows that and I'm going in being Mark. So I knew... Uh, it, it it seems different, but I just knew it's it's, it's, it's got a lot of skills there. Now I, I saw something subsequent, uh, what well, after the fight, which saw you doing a little bit of conditioning. Now the conditioning, I have to say, it looked like it was terrifying. There was a guy who was like tearing up your stomach, but you were kind of like just passively just taking about hundred blows now were you seriously conditioning your body just for him because you knew what he'd be bringing because in the fight i must say he was cracking some lefts and some right to your <laughs> torsos and it sounded like sounded like rocks breaking Did, were uh, you aware well, that's what he'd be bringing like i usually so I, what happened I, I usually go to holland for training yeah uh, with nick hammers but obviously all, all these things were going on with corona stuff i didn't i didn't really get enough time because opponents kept changing so i couldn't really go so I stayed at home, but the guy that I worked with here is called the uh, Sai Chu, Simon Chu. It's, it's for Thai himself, so he knew, he said, these guys were trying to literally throw any, everything he can in the first round, so you got to be prepared. Wow. So he, he trained me how to try to beat him. But I only had like five weeks with the guy, so. But yeah, we trained. <laughs> we trained, we were prepared for a weapon because I knew it was a bloody heat. So I was making sure I'm ready for it, whatever it brings. I mean, speaking of bringing the heat, I was really kind of, uh, well, I, I was I was quite enthused by something you said after the fight. First off, that you were looking to get back in there. Now, it looked like you were channeling your inner um, Kamzat um, Chimaev. You, you saw his fight against John Phillips, right? When he said that he's ready to go straight away. Who <laughs> Bring on the next opponent. No, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. I know, I know what I could have, the way I could have won the fight. I just there's there's things that can change quickly and go back in them and win the fight, another fight. I believe I truly believe in myself. I see I see that I can break people. You know, it's 
it's just that made me me deciding as a fighter now. Yeah, deciding okay, just just give it all now. Like I really want to know what, what I'm capable of for myself. And and just in bringing that whole kind of um, theme of look, I'll fight again. Realistically, let's just imagine just for a second. Let's just imagine. Obviously, this isn't the case, but let's just imagine that um, there is an opponent pull out this Saturday. Are, are you realistically in a position that you could, for example, let's just imagine Jai Herbert's opponent um, pulls out. Could you jump in there? Jai Herbert's opponent. I'm, I'm strong. He's straight in. I'm straight in. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm straight in. You know, yeah. Jai uh, obviously was one that got away. Is that something that you're looking to, to chase down the road? Or let's just imagine... I'm going to give you two opponents now. I'm going to put on my matchmaking hat. You've got Jai Herbert. I'm giving you Jai Herbert. Or our friend, our old Scottish friend. Would you? Which one would you actually entertain? Would you be up for Jai yeah. Herbert? Or... I'd rather go straight to Jai, like, Jai Herbert because I know he show up. <laughs> yeah, show up. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, 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 put it put it this way: um, Is this Saturday's card one that you're going to be watching and watching kind of keenly? Is is this something that yeah, has intrigued or interested you? The fact that he's fighting on Saturday? No, I've not really thought of it like the like. You know what I mean? Jai was in the same position. When they asked me to fight, it was like yeah, another replacement because uh, the other guys, this coach guy, is supposed to be fighting. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. So it's not. I don't have nothing towards him. I just want to fight him because of a. Uh, more of it, I'll fight anybody just to get a fight. That that was the case of it. But if it comes, you know what I mean. We'll see. I'm see. I'm seeing after this weekend. We'll see. If he wins, or if he loses, whatever. You know, we could get matched up. Because I, I mean, I've mean a loss isn't a loss. You know, get matched up. You never know the UFC. I'm just you know, I'm focusing on me right now. Whoever comes, I'm taking it. Now, obviously, we, we're we're having a laugh and a joke. We're obviously talking. The Scotsman in question is Stevie Ray. Now, the thing. No, nah, I, I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for real. I'm tired of that guy. Wow. Yeah. You, you know what? One of the things that kind of intrigued me was the conversation that you and Dana um, had at the back there. What was it that was said? What was it that he he told you? Um, what was it that you no, two had in? Good was said. That was before. Before oh. the, the the event even started. Oh right! So this wasn't yeah. like a conversation which took place after you'd been given your bonus. Yeah, no conversation. Okay. Have you had a chance to watch the fight back? I haven't watched it yet. I'm just honestly, I'm just I'm just at home thinking things that I, I know. I can play fight in my head. I know where I went wrong. Mm. Once I watch it, I accept it. So now I'm just thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what I went wrong. Well, put it this way, I'm glad we've kind of set a precedent with you, Mark. Win, lose or draw, we'll always be in the Mark Casey business in terms of yeah. chatting to you, my friend, because that was an electric performance that you put on, well worth the bonus. And I have to say, yeah. we can't wait to see you back in action. I'll be back, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your support. You're really, really welcome, my friend. Until the next time, make some trouble. Until the next time. My point is this. I know if you notice, but there is a, a definite emerging spirit here in that you might recall that um, Kamzat um, Chimaev, after his second round defeat, it was a sub um, defeat of John Phillips, 
in his post-fight interview said, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go again. They have subsequently fixed him up with Reese McKee, who will be making his UFC debut this coming Saturday at welterweight. Kamzat uh, Chimaev is actually going to cut weight, because bearing in mind he fought John Phillips at middleweight, he's going to cut weight for Reese McKee this coming weekend. Now that is fighter spirit. Mm. Mark Ducasey, to bring it back, said exactly the same sentiment. Look, put me straight back in there. If there are any fallouts, if there are any pullouts, if there is anybody who's unsure whether they're um, fit and ready, I'm the man to bring back in there. Now, my question this week, I mean, the whole um, reason for um, actually maintaining that I wanted to wait for Mark is this indomitable spirit which I saw in him, which leads me to this week's point. Is this something that we should be celebrating now? The willingness, the fight readiness to actually jump back in there? Or could this actually jump back and actually um, bite back the fighters who have that can-do mentality? Because when you think about it, that is what the UFC are actually relying on when they're talking about pay. The ability to be the company guy, the ability to stand to attention and to come to attention and to basically fall in line and do things mm. which are asked of them. Uh, is that something which uh, perhaps will actually eventually bite the fighters back? Um, well, bite them on, on, on their ass, so to speak. Well, I think it depends, really. I mean, it depends on how quickly you're going you're gonna to spring back to action. Like, well, Kamzat's turnaround is probably one of the quickest in UFC history, I'd, I'd like to say. I can't, th- off the top of my head, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other. Look, if you're, if you're, as, as much as we love Donald Cerrone and as much as he's a fan favorite, as much as, <laughs> I keep saying as much, as much, but as much as we all love the fact that he does a quick turnaround, the fact that he did that so often in 2019 and early 2020, it, it, it kicked, well, it, it caught up with him. Like the damage that he took and this is the point that I'm trying, I'm trying to make that it's all well and good having quick turnarounds and getting back in there as quickly as possible. But you have to do so if you're healthy. I mean, Donald, like, so who did he lose to? So he lost to, uh, pro- I can't even remember. So I know he got stopped by Justin Gaethje before he fought Conor McGregor. He, who did he lose to beforehand? Anyway, it's, it's irrelevant. <laughs> I'm not going to try jog, jog my memory. But the point is, is that he took a lot of damage going into like going into those fights and i don't like fighters who have taken damage well, in particular to the head to have quick turnarounds and get getting back in there and i mean i'm all for a fighter showing the indomitable spirit and the the attitude that endears us endears them to us but at the same time you have to look after yourself so i, I mean in the case of Mark, I mean, Mark didn't take too much trauma to the head in that fight. He, he took a few heavy shots, but I mean, as we all know by now, like the majority of the of the damage he took was to was to his rib cage, man, which is and it's his core, which is just made of steel. Because some of those switch kicks, in particular, that Rafael was landing, they just sounded like gunshots. It was yeah, it was scary. It, it, yeah, it was scary. It literally like. <laughs> I just, as soon as I heard the first one, I just, like I kind of felt, I kind of like grabbed my own stomach. I was just like, dear yeah. God. I was you... flinching. Yeah. I was flinching while watching that fight. And oh, oh, like I was jumping <laughs> because 
the no fans thing messes me up. Like, even though I'm aware of it, mm. it really kicks in when you hear those shots and they sound like a bat. Oh, <laughs> so it's scary to me, I don't, but yeah, I enjoy it. it. <laughs> yeah, but, the, back to the point yeah. that I was saying, yeah. I'm, all ha- I'm all for fighters having quick turnarounds so long as they haven't had too much damage. And going back to what you were saying about this, it's almost, I wouldn't want to say a total shift in change in mentality in Mark D. Casey, but I mean, we've... We've seen him after, obviously he had the three-fight losing streak and he wasn't as as vocal on social media afterwards and what have you. But I think it's it's maybe a slight pivot in mentality or just maybe just growth as a as a martial artist and as a person. So I think that's something that I'm, yeah. I'm happy to see. But I want Mark to take a bit of time off, maybe, maybe just like three months or what have you. Don't just jump back in there after having a three-round war with the killer. Just rest up, keep working at your craft, and we'll see you in a couple months. Just before we um, mm. segue away from um, Mark Casey, I know you know we are allowed just uh, one point each week, but it's related. Um, comes that uh, Chimaev is actually facing uh, Reese McKee as his uh, as a debut. Well, as Reese mm-hmm. McKee's debut. Uh, anybody else agree with me that this is Reese McKee in at the deep end? Oh man, <laughs> God! I'll let somebody else take take this one to begin with. It's oh. all, all I'm saying is like Graham Boylan. He's done fantastic in getting Reese to the UFC. I mean, well, obviously Reese's own body of work. I think he's been on a four or five win streak since he lost to Terry Brazier. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I it was but his body of work is street. That could be wrong. It's four or three. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Yes, correct. It's it's three fight win streak. Mm. That has got him into the UFC. That's gotten to the show. But again, this is a baptism of fire, man. I just, but I mean, sink or swim. That's that's what my dad used to tell me as a kid. Sink or swim. So um, I'm looking forward to the fight. Well, as well as that, I I, I suppose you know what. <coughs> to contradict myself, but uh, it was about five years ago. Uh, this young lad stepped up at. Um, uh, a local regional promotion, Bama, and it was Bama 22, I do believe, that he took on a vet, a Wiley vet, in John Redmond. Now, when he yeah, went he in did, there, man. I sat case-side and I thought, Reese McKee is going to get wasted. But not only did he piece him up on the feet, but he destroyed him on the ground. And we're talking about, you know, somebody who was an accomplished mixed martial artist. He made mm-hmm. John Redmond look ordinary. So, you know, all, all this aside, it may be that um, Reese McKee again makes me eat my words. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that on the, um, was that on the Lochnane, uh, Brendan Lochnane was fighting on that card, if I'm correct. I think it was Lochnane versus, um, who's a French guy? Uh, Duke Renoir. Duke Renoir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Time is flying already. Yeah. Five years anyway, ago, Anyway, I want... I want, I want to hear Kairos' thoughts on quick turnarounds. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love these badass. I remember when Neil Magny fought like five times in 12 months. Angela Hill's doing her damn thing. Cowboy's mm-hmm. doing his thing. You know, all these people are doing excellent. And I have no problem with fighters doing the short notice stuff. But in the terms of like fighters trying to negotiate for better pay, like for a title fight per se, I'm not a fan of fighters trying to jump in and lowball themselves so that that person get get undercut. I think that's messed up. But as far as... To Casey's situation, we gotta remember too. Like, 
I, I give this man so much prop. Like, I'm not, I haven't been following him for years. I think the first fight I ever saw is when he beat um, Lukas Sajewski, I believe. It was like, it was brutal. He like KO'd him senseless. But that was like the first fight I ever saw of him. I didn't see him like in his Bama days or whatever. But they like threw him to the wolves after like his third fight in the UFC. Listen to this lineup. Dracar Close, Dan Hooker, Nazarat, Joseph Duffy, Lando Venata, yeah. and Faisal. Yeah. For the people yeah. who know those people, like I know they aren't ranked one, two, three, four, but they are people who could be ranked in the top ten. Dan Hooker yeah. just fought Dustin Poirier like a few weeks ago. Like, guys. Yeah. Like they fed this man to the yeah. wolves. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, sure, like, if he feels like he has to get back out there and get in as soon as possible, I have all the confidence in his abilities. I just think that <sighs> the UFC has to do a, a better job at managing these people's talents. You just mentioned, um, I, we, you just said his name, him filling in, taking that fight on short notice, like, bro, come on, y'all, like, you're not doing yourselves any favors, but if you're confident in your abilities, who am I to say that you should not do that, you know? I'm not gonna mm -hmm. be that person right. who tries to get you to second guess who you are and how you believe and perceive yourself, because that's how I am. I don't like people constantly challenging my mindset because I know it's correct. I know it's not always bulletproof, but I know when I'm deep down in my heart, when I'm right, I'm right, you know? So I'm not gonna sit here and do that to him. More power to you, man. That's why we love watching you. How about you, G? Yeah. Yeah, um, I have mixed thoughts on this. I think um, I don't think it works in the fighters' favor, and I think if it does, it's just maybe short term. You know, like mm -hmm. you get you get paid during a time where it's difficult during this pandemic. I'm sure it's helpful that they're working during a pandemic and making money, and I'm sure Mark Casey wants to jump right back in there. But I worry about fighting so soon after just having a fight, and it and it looks as if you know he wasn't injured because of all the body shots but you know we just really don't know we need to give these uh, fighters their a break you know let their bodies rest and also too I worry about like favoritism you know every fighter is different so one fighter um, fights on short notice what if he loses and then he loses his next fight does he get cut or does he think hey because I filled in at the last minute the UFC mm -hmm. should look out for me how about the UFC is like nah you lost your last three fights it doesn't matter that you you know you helped us out at the last minute because honestly we've seen that happen before we know that certain fighters get favored. You know, there's favoritism. So I think this is more about short-term reward rather than long-term, and I don't really think this favors them, but I'm with Kairos. I cannot tell these people what to do or, you know, speak up against it too loudly because it's like it, it's got to work for them. It's what they think is best. I agree. And, mm -hmm. yeah, as I, the, the point that you raised that, yeah, the UFC, if you lose three in a row, but you're like, well, two of those were short-notice fights, I could just see a scenario, and indeed any promoter, just been like, well, we didn't force you to sign the contract to have a short notice fight. You did it. So, right. And I mean, like, if, I, I always bring up this example of the UFC's ruthlessness when it comes to cutting people. Elias Theodora had a three-fight win streak, and then he lost to Derek Brunson, and then they got his ass out of there. They could not wait to get rid of him. Oh, yeah. Also, too, I don't know if you remember this guy. His name was Demarcus Johnson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was on Tough. Yes, he was on Tough. And I think um, he was one of those fighters. He was a late replacement fighter. I think he might have done it twice. I'm just thinking this off the top of my head. I no, just remember right. his name. But it was a similar, yes. right? It was a similar situation. And he was cut. And, he, and I remember him telling the media, he was like, I did them a favor and they still cut me. 
Like they knew I was taking this short notice. I was, you know, not done with the camp. I did it, and I got cut for losing. He thought he would be rewarded. They were like, no, go back to the regional circuit. And we haven't seen him since. So I think fighters need to be careful. That could be you, depending yeah. on where, you know, how Dana feels about you. So mm. I'm a bit leery with quick turnarounds, but I understand why they do it. Yeah, DeMarcus the Darkness. Do you man, remember? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think... I think he got yeah. I think he got cut after who did he fight? He fought. Uh, now I'm intrigued. Let me look. I think him. he fought in not he, he fought in uh, in Nottingham, Nottingham Mike. That's right? Yeah. What was it? Yeah, that was it. Uh, no, he fought Gunnar Nelson. That's who he fought. He fought Gunnar Nelson on that card. Oh yeah, I just it's it's similar to what the Mike's question. That's why I thought of him. Mm-hmm. I don't you know I think things like that will start happening if if they keep doing late replacements. Well, if you lose two in a row, even though it was a late replacement, don't expect a favor. You could be cut. Yeah, he got cut, and then he had three more losses, and he last for August seventh, twenty fifteen. Yeah, so it's been nearly five years since he fought. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's retired yeah. or, or not. Yeah, he's he's retired at the moment. Yeah, but just before yeah. we move on, just a bit of uh, trivia for you. Um, who can tell me what connects Mark Diacasey, Reese McKee, and Jai Herbert? Mark D. Casey, Reese McKee, and mm. Jai Herbert. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming it's a common is that common opponent or? Um, it's a scenario. I'll just put you all out of your misery. Basically, <laughs> Reese McKee. I give up. Reese McKee knocked out right. Jai Herbert <laughs> at Bama 27. That was for the lightweight uh-huh. championship strap, which was previously held by Mark D. Casey. By Mark. Who put it on? Reese McKee put the strap oh. on him as um, Jai Herbert was being uh, stretched off out of the cage. So that's what connects those three. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I didn't I, I forgot about that, man. Jeez. Time flies. And of course, I, I, would, I would have loved to have seen uh, Mark against Jai. I think that would have been a good fight. I, I got a feeling that that probably will be happening um, somewhere down the line. But... Um, you know, for now, obviously, Jai's got his, his hands full this coming Saturday, which, um, as time is actually trundling on, I suppose it leaves the floor open to either G or my man Kairos. Who's going next? Um, I'll take it, Kairos, if you don't mind. Perfectly fine. Okay, so, fellas, my discussion this week is Dana White's hesitation to declare Al Jermaine Sterling the next title contender to face Peter Yan. Mm-hmm. As fight fans, guys, we already know that um, Aljo was on a tear. He's on a five-fight win streak, and he just submitted Corey San- Sanhagen in June of, at UFC 250. But here's the thing. That was last month in June. So you can't apply recency bias to Aljo. The, the same way that um, fans want to see Leon Edwards fight, even though he's on an eight-fight win streak, is because he hasn't fought in quite a while. His last fight was RDA. Mm-hmm. So fans want to see him fight Woodley or somebody else just to refresh their memory. They need that, even though he's on an eight-fight win streak. You can't apply that to Aljo. And let's not forget, he defeated Corey Sanhagen in the first round with a submission. And he dispatched Corey Sanhagen so easily, but we forget Corey Sanhagen himself was on a five-fight win streak. 
And I'd like to make the argument that he was surging through the rankings so quickly, almost even faster than Aljo. Because I feel like we watch Aljo develop into a contender. Corey Sanhagen showed up and just got on this five-fight win streak and was tearing up the rankings. And Aljo comes out and submits him in the first round. And it was unreal. So, of course, MMA Twitter and everybody goes into a tizzy when Dana White is asked by a journalist after the, um, at, the, at the conference, I hear you laughing, Kairos, they ask him, they said, hey, is Aljo the next, you know, contender? My man was like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, he's up there or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to think about that. And meanwhile, I don't know about you, but I lost it. I was like, what do you mean? It's clear as day that he's the contender. And guys, let's not forget, too, because of no fans, we are privy to conversations. Did y'all hear Corey Sanhagen after he got choked out get up? walk over to Aljo and say, go get the, go get the uh, mm-hmm. champ, go get the belt champ. Yeah. I mean, that the number one contender basically was like, I'm going to get back in line, and you're the guy that should be fighting for a title. And the president of the company says, I don't know. Shocking. So, of course, MMA Twitter lost it. And we lost it so bad, y'all, don't laugh, that I saw black people and white people be like, you know what, fuck this. The only thing I can think of is racism. And I almost fell out on the ground, y'all. I was like, wait a minute, y'all got white people talking about something they don't even like talking about, racism. You got white people out here like, I can't think of nothing else? Fuck that, it's because he's black. White people saying this. I looked at my timeline, fellas, and I said, what in the world is going on? White people don't even like to talk about race. And then I said to myself, wow, like that's kind of dope because what are they doing? They are acknowledging the fact that Aljo is a black man and that is an option. That is on the table whether there's Mm -hmm. proof or not because that is his experience as a black man, as a black person. That's always an option. So shout out to people that brought it up. Shocker here though, fellas. I don't think it has anything to do with race. (laughs) I appreciate people entertaining that, but I don't think it has anything to do with race. I think it's about markability. I think um, they want Peter Yan because of he's an international champion. I think Cody Garbrandt can bring eyes to a fight with him. And mm-hmm. here's another thing. I think that if they keep Aljo from fighting for a title, they can like make him really hungry for that title and, and keep him at bay and pay him what they want because he wants that title so bad. Do you know what I mean? Like I think this is options and tactics and not about race. My question to y'all, why do you think Dana is being hesitant about Aljo fighting Peter Yan? And what are your thoughts on race being brought up as one of those factors? Put it this way, it's absolutely hilarious that, you know, you got people on the timeline um, pushing the race agenda as the reason why. Put it this way, look, John Jones, Tyron Woodley, uh, Dan Cormier, Demetrius Johnson, Mike Perry because he's 2% black. Dana has got time for black people. I don't think it has anything to do with being black. I think yep. I, I don't think um, race is a factor here. Color, exactly. the only color that actually yeah. matters to Dana White is the color of money. So that's what it actually boils down to. I think it's because I, I reckon behind the scenes, Alger Sterling, Alger Sterling's right. team yeah. basically saying, show me the money, show me the money. And why not? I mean, Everybody else is getting paid what they are due and what they are worth. Why shouldn't Aljo Sterling? So given the dominance of all the champions, okay, Mike Perry isn't um, a champion, but he gets a notable uh, mention, as I mentioned before, as I I said before, being 2% black. But, you know, all jokes aside, (laughs) I think, I think, I think Aljo Sterling's issue with Dana White right now 
um, or the whole debacle. Uh, it is it is a debacle because the way in which it was kind of dismissed yes. at the uh, at the presser was was, yeah. was, was ludicrous. Um, I think it does boil down to Jeep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 I saw people. Yeah, like you, I saw people saying, "Yeah, it must be because Aljo's black," and I was <laughs> I was shocked to see people say that. I was Me like, too. "Okay, well, pe- okay." I was like, "Well, people are acknowledging." However unlikely, the, the, this could possibly be a reason. I, for right. one, will go on record and say that's not that's not the case. I mean, the UFC mm. have had countless African American champions and black right. American uh, black one champion. You forgot to list on that na- uh, to to list there, Mike. Sorry, was Anderson Silva, and how dare you forget Anderson Silva being being on that oh, list? True. <laughs> oh yeah. man, my bad. Mm-hmm. But my bad. My. My understanding of the situation, and from from what I've seen, and what reading between the lines, and everything that's been going on over the like the last okay, let's say eight weeks or whatever, what have you, is it's clear as day that the UFC don't want to give Aljo the title shot because they're still negotiating or they're hoping Henry Cejudo comes back. That's what this right, delay. That, yes. That's what the delay in in crowning Aljo the number one contender, which he rightfully is. That's the reason mm-hmm. for it, a hundred percent. And I think I think we we all know that Henry Cejudo's retired. Like, I mean, I got text messages from my friends who are casual casual observers of MMA, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Cejudo really going?" And I was just like, my response was like, "He's coming back. He'll probably fight by the end of the year. Don't don't buy into this nonsense." But mm-hmm. again, Dana White is hoping that he can come to an agreement with Henry Cejudo. They're playing their they're playing the numbers game with Henry Cejudo. They're going like, okay, we'll offer you an extra hundred thousand, and Henry's yes. going, nah, I don't want that. I don't want that. And right. then they'll go, then they'll go to Alger like they'll say, okay, we'll offer you a bit more. Right. And I think they're, I think yes. probably they're just waiting to say who agrees to their terms first, and then whoever does and, will get the title shot. Yes. And that's what I mean by keeping Aljo at bay, which means it's like they have options and they don't want to pay their fighters what they're worth. So what they do is they have options and tactics. Who will who will fight the title for this much and who's going to ask him for that much? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you might have to keep Aljo on the back burner so that maybe he fights at a price that you think is reasonable. And at the same time, maybe you can make a deal with Cody or somebody else and make even more money. I think this is all about revenue. I don't think it has anything to do with race, but I did appreciate folks that were like, you know what, it could be an option. He is black, and that is a conversation that people should be having, you know. So I did appreciate that, but for the record, I don't think it's race. But go ahead, Kairos. Yeah, this situation, I'm not chalking it up to racism, but I'm. People need to understand though that the UFC, from their fandom to the way that the organization is run to the way they represent certain people. There is racist racism, Thank and the prejudice you. is palpable. Don't make me get started on how we see tweets of people saying, Kamaru Usman is going to get beat so bad by Jorge Maslow, he's going to become his little slave boy. How many times have y'all said that about right. a white fighter? Yeah. How many times have right. y'all said that about a white fighter? Or the fact that you guys, right. disres- all the most disrespected champions and fighters in UFC history have all been black. Y'all swore Tyron Woodley was an inactive champion. The man defended the belt mm. three times within a 12-month span. But then you get Darren, T- not Darren Till, I'm sorry. You get Robert Whitaker, who doesn't even walk in the cage for a year. He's such a great guy. He's such a great champion. Blah, 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 blah. Man, fuck y'all. You got Demetrius Johnson, mm. goes on a straight, mm-hmm. unbeaten street for 10 straight years oh he's boring he's this he's that he's that well let somebody else do what he did they automatically become the goat fuck y'all for that first and foremost second of all yes i understand they're playing chess with Aljamain sterling i'm not ready to chalk that off right now but 
Mm. A lot of these fighters need to understand this though too. If I'm in Al Jermaine Sterling's situation, I'm gonna say, fine, great. I'll take the pay cut for that title shot. But then when I'm in control of the division, now you gotta pay. Now I'm gonna make you pay because you can't get rid of me with the title right now. Especially when I just got crowned. Like that's what people need to understand. If the UFC wants to play chess, you gotta play chess as well. Like you can't sit back and be like, nah, I'm gonna stand up for what I believe in. As if there aren't 50 other people below you who want your position. It's the, you, aren't, mm. you aren't negotiating from a position of strength at this point. You want it. They don't necessarily need you. And this whole talk about, oh, this person isn't marketable is some of the most subjective stuff I've ever seen, especially in the age of in, in the age of media today. You got a guy like Paulo Costa, Costa, who they swore wasn't marketable. This man became a hero on social media overnight, calling people B-words, saying, posting pictures. Like, this right. man became a national treasure just by talking trash on Twitter. So you mean to tell me someone who's fluent in your language that the promotion is based in is not going to be marketable cut it out cut yeah, it out that's yeah. not the issue the issue is you aren't willing to invest in a person to get them to that point you're expecting them to build it from beginning to end on their own organically not everybody can be conor mcgregor but you can build some stars if you're willing to invest we built Paige van Zandt, not we i'm not a part of the ufc they built Paige van Zandt <laughs> from start until what she is right now and she only has fought what six times in the promotion if you can do that with her I'm not saying you're gonna have the exact same results with Aljamain Sterling, but you can damn near get close because he's actually consistently winning. So cut it out with all this, you're not marketable, because we understand the coded language right now. That's typically the, oh, they aren't marketable. No, you just don't perceive them as worthy enough like for your him. attention. You don't you're like right. them. I remember y'all, like yes, y'all were talking all this trash about Israel Adesanya being unmarketable and no one liking him. We has a whole fucking country trying to watch him fight. When the man became a superstar, like, so cut it out, guys, cut it out. Mm. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I also would like to say cut it out to the fans that jumped down my throat and said that I was a race baiter because I entertained this conversation. And I just want to remind folks that I'm entertaining this conversation because I'm black, bitch. It's a part of the black experience to, you know, to experience racism. So the fact the fact that I brought it up means that it's happening and it could have occurred to fucking Aljamain Sterling. And just because Dana White or the UFC is not like a, you know, like an alt-right group, because, you know, white people, they got the racism has to be overt. It has to be like a hate group. That's the only time they'll be like, I approve that this is racism. They don't understand that it can be implied. They don't understand that sometimes you don't get your shot at work because your boss doesn't like you because you're black. And it, it's not that your boss wears a Klan suit. And I'm not saying that's Dana either, but the conversation can be had. And it's okay to talk about racism because that is a part of our experience. And I'll stop race baiting and talking about it when y'all stop being racist. But that's, you know, I don't think that applies here with Aljo. I think this is a marketing tool. And I just want to also say I feel really bad for him. Even Peter Yan isn't calling him out. Y'all saw the tweet when Peter Yan was like, oh, that sucks. You're not the next contender. Next. Yeah. I was like, Peter, call him out. <laughs> you ain't going to do it. I no. Yeah. It, it, it's horrible. The fans have something to say. He just choked out the, the number one contender, and the contender got up and was like, go get that belt. And the fans and Peter were like, who? I'm like, come on, y'all. Don't, don't do him like that. He's the number one contender, and he fights like one. Give him a shot. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Let's just hope Aljo gets his. I, he, I think he will. You know, it's just going to come down to who's the cheapest and who's available, who's going to make the most money. But at some point... He's going to get his shot. And I also feel that way about Leon Edwards. You can't just, like, tuck these people away and hope that they keep losing. If they keep winning, you're going to have to give them a shot. So, 
here. But well, okay, well, I, I don't mean to hijack and just add another point in, but you you, no, you just br- you just brought up Leon Edwards there. What are they going? <laughs> nah, I know you're, you're going to say that. I'm thinking oh, I'm always vouching for him or whatever. But what are they going to do with him now? Because if Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington are are are, are were in negotiations, and I, I assume they're they're resuming negotiations to fight, who does that leave him with? First of all, Chisanga, don't believe those two that they're going to fight. They like to fight online. They don't want to fight. Something's going on with those two. Every time there's talk of them fighting, one of them is like, he didn't sign. And then the other one's like, no, he didn't sign. Both y'all don't want to fight each other enough. Y'all playing with our emotions. So I don't think those two, Colby Covington and Woodley, are going to fight. And I think perhaps Woodley is willing to fight Leon. You know, they signed for that. I think they make that fight quicker than Colby Covington. Someone's being a diva when it comes to that fight. I firmly believe that. But it sucks, though, because Leon is on an eight-fight win streak, but fans want him to win one more because he done beat up RDA too long ago. They need a, they need a refresher. Yeah. So they're pushing for Burns. And it's unfair, but you know recency bias plays a, plays a part in this sport. It's why Burns, they want him to fight. You know because what? he just beat up someone recently. Go ahead. You know what? I... I think it's Leon's recent comments which kind of like put things in context and kind of like put me firmly back in my box. I thought he wasn't getting um, anywhere near a title because he wasn't shouting loud enough. He's not getting uh, near a title because he's dictating the pace. He's telling them when he's ready. He's telling them when he's not. According to a recent interview, he was asked first before um, Jorge Masvidal to go to the island and he said you know what no I'm not ready mm. it will be on my terms mm. it will be when I'm ready so you know props to him the reason why I laughed is that you know this does seem to be a recurring thing but putting it in that context you know like I like I mentioned I really do feel he needs a round of applause he's not dancing yeah. to their tune yeah. they're dancing to his and did you notice this? a lot of the black fighters are like that Woodley's the same way Woodley's like I don't care what you think of me or if I ever get a title shot again Again, y'all gonna pay me and I'm gonna make this terrible rap music and I'm gonna keep it moving. Like, he does not <laughs> terrible care. Terrible rap music. He does okay, not don't care. care. <laughs> That's go why on, I'm a Kyrus, fan of Kyrus, Woodley. That is your cue to jump in. Go on, start singing. <laughs> sing, you gotta sing it first, man. <laughs> Falling in and out of love, in and out of love. <laughs> yes, Falling that's all I want to hear. It's and been a guess, minute. And, and Woodley don't even care. He make his music and keep it moving. I love it. Speaking you know? of which, Kairos, you're up, my man. Okay. Listen, I'm sitting in my room right now in my underwear. Why am I telling you that? Wow. Because I want y'all to understand. Wow. Of course. I am, no, ho- I am hopefully, free. Hopefully not touching yourself. <laughs> I am going to be. I'm going to be. Well, hold on. I am free from the influences of the outside world right now. I'm free thinking... I'm sitting here manifesting reality, okay? Mm. And you guys swear I hate certain fighters. You think I hate... I'm going to tell you this right now. The people you guys think I hate the most, Habib, Jorge Masvidal, John Jones, off the top of my head. Y'all swear I hate them so much as if I didn't do a little five-minute excerpt about how great they are. Mm-hmm. The only people I hate in the UFC are people who definitely deserve it. Now, I'm not going to rattle off their names because I'm, that's another time. We don't need to give them any shine. They don't deserve it. But... This topic is going to make y'all think that I hate this man again. And if that's the case, so be it. And I got, let me just set the scene for you guys. And I'm going to ask you my question after the fact. Okay. okay. You have two individuals. Both of them have fought the same amount of times in a three-year span. One of them is the champion. One of them was a former champion. 
First one is Conor McGregor, former champion. He's had one fewer fight than Habib Nurmagomedov if you include his boxing match. Now, why is that relevant? Because they are both in the same division and one of them has a belt right now. I understand the hardship that Habib Nurmagomedov has gone through right now, and I'm not trying to base what I'm saying off of his actions right now. I'm basing it off of the behavior that happened prior to pre-COVID-19. That's what I'm saying right now. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying right now is this. If he does not fight, let me finish also <laughs> before we before y'all jump on me. If he does not fight in 2020, he should be stripped. We cannot forget the fact of this. First and foremost, when have we ever had a champion who had three legitimate contenders for his belt simultaneously? Let's not forget, you had Dustin Poirier who was an interim champ, you had Tony Ferguson who was an interim champ, and you had Conor McGregor who was just recently striped, stripped as the light, lightweight champion of the world. All three of them were within the same time span of you, not fighting, all three of them. You have, who, you cannot say a situation where that has ever happened in any other division. I understand that the lightweight division is one of the most stacked divisions, and that's why we have to figure out how to move from this. Yes, I understand of the hardships that you are going through. You shouldn't be forced to fight, but because of that, the division has to move on. And then when you're ready to come back, you can immediately challenge for the title. But we can't sit here and allow people to not fight as a champion, but we hold other people to a different standard. We just talked about Tyron Woodley fighting three times in 12 months, and y'all swore he was inactive. He was very active, yet people swore he's the worst champion ever. You have people talking about John Jones being very inactive. The man fought, what, two times within six months span just recently? Mm -hmm. Listen. We cannot play these mental gymnastics with them. I, and my question for y'all is this, plain and simple. If he does not fight for all of 2020, do you think he should be stripped? That's my question for all three. Uh, oh, boy. I need a second to think on yeah, this. Yeah, same here. I, I, who's up? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he should be stripped. I think what they, they, they do, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, that the division has to move on no matter no matter the circumstances, and it might sound crass of me saying that, that I, I do somewhat agree. That, but one thing I don't think that should happen is that Habib should be forced in any way, shape or form, or be pressured in any way, shape or form, sorry, to fight. So, like, I know, I, I know we all hate it as MMA fans and we joke about it, but I think if he was to take the, the rest of the year off, it would be the ideal time to introduce, or well, it, I was about to say introduce an interim title. There is obviously an interim title. I mean, <laughs> you'd, ha you'd have to have Gaethje defend it. That's, that's the only oh thing, which would, be, which would be a first, I believe, because I don't think anybody's ever defended an interim title off the top of my head. I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, um, unfortunately the division has to move on. It has to move on, I mean, if if it was one if it was a division where there wasn't as much traction amongst fans and even amongst casual fans, then I think you could let Khabib uh, fight and return whenever he, w he wants to. But in this case, I don't think I don't think so. And the division's got to move on. I, I mean, it pains me even saying this that uh, or insinuating that a, a man who's just lost his best friend is in in his father that he should. He should even come back anytime soon but again like the world keeps on moving and unfortunately the same has to happen with the division the only exactly thing I... you can't like i get it oh, i'm sorry you no, 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 no go 
I was just gonna say exactly. We un we're not trying to penalize you for your hardship, but at the end, and at the end of the day, this is a business and an organization. We have had a pattern of this behavior. For black of for like better or for worse, you weren't as disciplined as enough with your weight cut, so you had to pull out a bunch of fights due to your organs collapsing. <laughs> you had to do other things like that. Like you've you've Tiramisu. repeatedly yeah. yes, you've been inactive a lot, man. And this is just the cap the straw that broke the camel's back. We cannot allow you to keep doing this to this division. And if Justin Gaethje defends that title, He's not the interim champion anymore. He is the champion. You have to strip him. Dominic Cruz didn't get away with fighting for without a year without y'all stripping him. Tony Ferguson actually got hurt and y'all stripped him anyway. So all this, oh, you know, the interim, the interim title holder should just be defending the belt until the champion comes back. Why? So he, he can lose the interim title too? And and the real champion right. is now still not fighting and then you have another interim title challenger, a champion who's going to keep defending the title? That makes no sense. That makes no, no sense. You start valuing the belt value the interim yep. title and people start actually paying to watch interim titles on your pay-per-views that's why people are starting to say that this is paper champion stuff because y'all don't even acknowledge the weight of that bill so why should we mm. the only thing i would oh, yeah, say I though uh, the only thing i would say is look yeah. we're in exceptional times and i think given the exceptional circumstances that you know Khabib actually finds himself in i mean let's not forget look he's grieving right now We've never had anything yep. on this uh, level, of this stature, of this nature, to do with a champion. So I think he gets a pass in terms of like when he comes back. And he should be mm. uh, keeping that belt, considering, let's not forget as well, he's a dominant champion. He's an unbeaten champion at that. Plus, again, going back to exceptional times and exceptional circumstances, why not have a defence why not have Gaethje defend that belt? Exceptional times, exceptional circumstances. Do, uh. That's true. That's true. But and if if I'm the UFC, you 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 give Gaethje Conor McGregor. You give you you make that fight. That's probably. But uh, uh, you, other, you guys know that Gaethje is not down for that, right? Yeah, because, he said no. He yeah. said no. Apparently, and only no, only go, G. Only go. No, because I, I I believe. Carol's, you probably feel like this because didn't Ali kind of say this or something? Like there was some mm -hmm. type of controversial yes. tweet where Ali was like, oh, Khabib said Justin should fight Connor. And Connor was like, no. um, Justin was like, no, I'm not fighting him. You the champ, fighting you. And I kind of agree with him on that. Why should he take a risky fight and defend a title that we don't even really value and uphold? You know, one minute you're the interim chat, the next minute you're not. Ask Kobe Covington. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. like, it's not, nobody takes that belt serious, including the fighters. When Justin got his, he, like, put it on the floor until he said he was going to fight Justin. What does that tell you? He fights in the UFC and has an interim title belt. Why would you defend something that you don't even take serious as a fighter and the holder of the belt? But I will say this, Kairos, I see your point 100%, because I think that um, Khabib is a little bit of a diva. The tiramisu, the, the issues with weight cutting. Oh, Connor has to fight 50,000 people. Oh, now, Justin, you fight Khabib. It's like he's a diva champ, and I think it's, that's okay, but with his dad dying, I think we need to just stall the division until he's ready to come back, because I don't believe in defending a belt that's really just a bookmark. It's not a belt. You know? Did we stall that's the division for Vitor Belfort, though? No, we didn't. But I think these are exigent circumstances because of his father dying and who mm. his father is to the MMA and wrestling community. You know, it's like his death is quite impactful to Khabib and also a whole ass country. 
that man is a celebrity, you know what I mean? And I think we just need to give Khabib that time to grieve. And it's during pandemic and COVID, and a lot of us are going through this. So I just kind of respect the fact that he needs a minute. And I, w- I don't mind making yeah. special circumstances for him. However, if this was Tiramisu, or if this was him like, oh, no, you know, I'm busy. I'd be like, yeah. strip that motherfucker. You know what I'm no, saying? No, of course. Yeah, 100%. And if he doesn't, if he beats, if he comes back and he beats Justin and then he's like, oh, I'm, you know, three more years till I fight again. No, bye. Strip him. Yeah. But his father dying and that man being that influential. Um, let's just give him a minute. Yeah, I bring you, up you, Vitor you, because his sister was kidnapped, was kidnapped and murdered. Yeah. And he fought literally two months later. And yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't want to do that. I, I'm going to go out yeah. on a limb and say he didn't yeah. want to do that. So what was the reason why he had to do that? They probably forced his hand. That's what right. that's what I'm getting at. I didn't want to say that, but I'm going to. I think he was, his hand was forced, and he felt like he had to do that. Now, why is that the case? I don't know. Is it right? No, not at all. He should have been given mm-hmm. his time. That yeah. was when was that when he was a light heavyweight champ? It must have been. Yeah. So. Yes, it was. And also, too, did he have the power that Khabib has? We forget that Khabib makes the UFC big money because he's oh, a celebrity in Russia. Do you understand? Yeah. And he also has ties with, like, this dictator regime. Like, he's a, like, yo, for real, for real, Khabib is a big-ass fucking deal, bigger than we think. You, and he's a powerful man. He's in with Putin. It's, it's, it's yeah. amazing. So is the father. So I think the UFC kind of lets him be a diva, and that's why mm. he's acting like that. But I'm telling you right now that if this was over some bullshit, I would be with you, Kairos, to let him. to like He does it too much, Kairos. I do agree with you. He, he definitely acts like a diva, and they let him get away with it. And guess what? I saw that press conference. I watched it this morning. Oh, Dana White is already saying he can have as much time as he needs. So we'll see what they do with that. Yeah. But he can sit out for a while. And Dana even said it. He cut off the journalist and was like, yo, his father just died. Like, end the yeah. conversation. So, Yeah. If, although the division has to move forward, it has to move forward in a way where you don't put any sort of pressure on Khabib to fight. That's, that's yep. how I play it. And that's yep. how it should play out. Yep. And that's what Dana said. Mm-hmm. You know? Before we go, guys, like um, I don't know if you guys saw. I think it was over the weekend that I, I can't remember. I think it was Mookie Alexander from Bloody Elbow tweeted out that the Nevada State Athletic Commission are no longer going to be showing uh, fighters' purses. What shady ass shit is that? That is just a, that oh, is it's, it is a sh- oh, it's a shady, shady, shady decision. Just. It's purely been made just to help out. But Chisanga, look at the timing of the new shady decision. Masvidal just, you know, rode off into the sunset with his new deal because he had leverage and it was perfect timing. The UFC is a business. They're going to figure out how to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen again, even when somebody falls out. And that is why you, to me, that is why you see them playing their options with Henry and Aljo. They got to make sure that people can't do a Masvidal and keep paying these people what they feel is comfortable. So they're playing with their options with Aljo. That, that's just my theory. And this is bang on the money in terms of brand. Remember this recent rebrand of the UFC being an opportunity and not a career? This falls right into that wheelhouse. Yeah, but like the commission, the, like the fact that the commission have, have come out and said we're no longer going to be disclosing purses. I mean, I tweeted about it after I saw it. Fighters 
if, unless you're one of the big five or maybe in the top ten of the, the, the big big stars in the UFC or indeed any promotion, you have such little leverage over your over your promoters and the releasing of your uh, of your, of your paycheck is a small amount of leverage that you have over them and it holds it and the releasing of such information means that promoters are held to account that sadly in nevada that's no longer going to be the case so i mean well i think you could well i think gee you're going to have to do this because gee and kairos you're going to have to do this because you're in america but the the freedom of information act i I don't think mike and us mike and i can exercise it because we're foreign citizens but that's probably how you're going to have to go to find out how much fighters are getting paid now it's crazy it's it's a crazy decision it's crazy, but that's a huge win for the UFC, and I'm telling you, peep the timing of it. Look at look how Masvidal got got what he wanted. They gotta make sure shit like that. They gotta make sure that does John doesn't do it. Another fight, just mm. the ones that they can handle doing that, like a Connor. They mm. gotta get that situation under control. So they're gonna play little games here, and it, I think it's begun with that decision. Now y'all don't know what <laughs> we pay them. That's a huge win for the UFC. Awesome. It's it's a it's a major win. It's a major yep. win, but yep. hopefully, it's a power move too. yeah. And hopefully, it just doesn't have a, a negative effect on fighter pay yes. because, in theory, and I'm, I'm not in any way insinuating the UFC are going to do this or any other promotion, right. whether it be boxing or what have you. In theory, they could just be like, okay, well, now fighters who are fighting in Nevada, we can pay them less because it's not going to come out how much yes. how much they earn. And exactly. I mean, in, I think, well. And I think the UFC know that us as media, we're not going to be at the media day and say, oh, so how much are you earning for this fight? Right. And you can't have opinionated um, journalists that write opinion pieces like Trent saying, hey, this is fat. You know, like now he doesn't even know the numbers. So now that's their way of shutting down on media doing their job and reporting that, hey, these guys are getting paid, you know, underpaid a little bit here and bringing attention to that. So like I said, huge power move and very beneficial for the UFC, but I don't think that's gonna be too good for the fighters and it worries me a little bit. Speaking of power moves, just before we go, UFC Fight Night 74 goes down this weekend. Oh, Hashtag yeah. UFC Fight Night 3. So much European mm. talent on display. I'm not gonna go through every single one of them, but are there any standouts that actually appeal to you? For me, from a European perspective, I- I'm looking forward to seeing uh, um, Chimaev and um, Reese McKee do battle. I just think that that's just going to be a one-sided domination. But you know, I'm prepared to be surprised. I can't wait for that. Mm. Oh, I, I I can't wait for that fight. But I just think Reese is too small. I think he's just too small. Like I don't know if you watched. Um, it was two years ago actually when Reese for um, when when Terry Brazier uh, dropped down and wait to fight Reese McKee. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah and yeah. T- yeah, Terry was just too big for him and too big yeah R.I.P. yes indeed um, um, we won't say what we have to say off the air <laughs> anyway um, yeah but he was just too big for him and I mean now he's taking on this big just dominant rush I, mean, I just yeah. I've I'd love the the fairy tale story of a six day short notice fight mm. fighting in the big show like a win for Reese to come to fruition but it's all the odds are stacked against Good time. Mm. Anyway, like, oh, this this is a seven fight main card. Seven <laughs> fight main card. This is. <laughs> this is this is wild. Don't get me wrong. There's some very good fights on on, on the main card, but seven fight like 
I find the six fight ones a stretch, but seven, it's crazy. I think the last one was UFC 190, and that was Ronda Rousey. Who did fight Ronda fight UFC 190? Uh, I can't remember, but funny, funny enough, and I've got to give the guy the shout out for this as well because he tweeted me the information. I think his name is Marcel Albecker, or I think that's his name. Two seconds, let me bring it. Yes, Marcel Albecker. He, uh, when I tweeted that it was a seven fight card, he said the last one was UFC 190. And coincidentally, the co main event of that card is the same co main event of this card. <laughs> yeah, Shogun Hura against Little Nog. So, guys, aren't, aren't you looking forward to. Uh, well, obviously, apart from Rob Whitaker and um, Dan Till. Come on, give some solidarity to your Euro brothers here. I, I, I give you. I'll give you something. Um. I'm curious about Alexander Gustafsson coming back as a heavyweight, and I, I'm I'm shocked to say that I'm picking him because Fabricio Verdum looked so bad in his last outing that I'm going to mm. pick Alexander, even though I don't know who shows up at heavyweight. Like I, even though he's coming back from retirement and he could have ring rust, I think Fabricio looked that bad that I'm going to pick Alexander, and I wonder how this is going to play itself out. Is Verdum really 45 years old? Yep. No, I think he's forty one or something. Oh, okay. He's not. He ain't forty three. Surely not. Surely not. Like I think Dana, Dana say he was forty five. Is that where you got that? From? Yeah, he's for, He's forty two. Yeah, he's he forty two. He's forty two. Dana ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it, I watched it this morning, and that's why I said, "Yup, he's forty five Because I took Dana's word for it. No, but no, he's, 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 he's forty two. But oh, again, like. Verdum in his last few fights he just hasn't looked that great like I mean the Alexander Volkov fight he got stopped and against Alexei Olenek he had he had some moments like obviously one of the judges gave him the uh, him the fight because it was a split decision but again he just it could have been the ring rust the time off because he was off for I think 18 months Mm -hmm. before giving assistance in brackets and you can uh, you can decipher that for for all you want what assistance Mm -hmm. means but um, yeah, I I'm inclined to pick Gus. I'm like even though Gus yeah. is Gus has been off for over a year. Yeah, mm. I, I think so. But yeah. I mean, in theory, if he if he can utilize his speed and his long long reach as well, because he's, he's I was just gonna say yeah. Gus Gus isn't a short. Uh, he's, well, he's he was a tall light heavyweight, so he's not gonna be a small heavyweight. If he can utilize his footwork speed. And like I mean, it's boxing as well because yeah. don't get me wrong, Verdum's boxing has come a long, his stand up in general has come a long way from when we first saw him uh, in the UFC. But yeah, if, but this if, is if, this is new Verdum, like that old yeah. slow coming back from wherever Verdum. Yeah. I was shocked to see that. <laughs> I mean, he could end up getting pieced up if 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 if, if, if he stands if he sh- to trade yeah, if with. He shows up like that again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well, mine. What's uh? What's everybody else's? I got two. Okay, I got two. Marina Rodriguez versus I. I'm really high on Marina Rodriguez. I think she's about to show mm. out on Carla Esparza. Mm-hmm. She's one of the. Okay. She's one of the fighters in the strawweight division. That I really do think people are overlooking. I'm glad to see um, her on this card. Uh, the other fight. I mean, I. I like. I was gonna say Nathaniel Wood, but I'm sure you guys love that anyway because that's your guy. So I'm gonna go with Tanner Bowser versus. Uh, I, I don't know the other guy, but I just like Tanner after <laughs> that previous fight. What was it, a week or two ago? I was like, okay, he he could be the man. I don't know yeah. about him competing for a title or anything, but but to comment about you guys and talking about Alexander Gustafson, remember when we had that conversation yeah. about him possibly fighting Francis? 
it just became a lot more likely now. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know, man. That could, that could happen. <laughs> that could happen. I'm telling you, it might be down the line. Oh, God. But obviously, everyone's hyped for the main event, man. The main event is arguably one of the best fights well, it is one of the best fights on, over the, the course of the last 18 days or 15 days. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, something, something is telling me. Something is telling me. I think Darren Till is going to stop yeah. Robert Whittaker. Yeah. I think Darren Till is going to stop Robert Whittaker. Mm. Yeah. I think Darren Till is going to stop oh. Robert Whittaker. I, I, I just, so. I just think, I just think, I just think, and, <laughs> all right, let me, let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. I think Robert Whittaker as Israel Adesanya found, found out as well, he he kind of leads with his head when when he comes in with his with his blitzes. Yeah. He leaves his head let head op- open, and I don't know if you guys uh, saw the build up to uh, Darren well Darren Till's build up to his fight with Kelvin, uh, his his open workout, and indeed the fight with Kelvin. He was practicing a lot of counter knees, a lot of counter knees, anticipating an opponent coming in with a blitz and putting I their head low. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think he came close to landing it against Kelvin. Uh, I think it was in the second round of the fight. I can't. I can't remember. But I think if Robert Whitaker comes in like that, and if he comes in, if, I don't want to say reckless, because it's, it, it's not reckless. Because obviously he's had a lot of success with it. But if he if he doesn't get right. his head off this off the center line, and if it's a bit low, I think that could be the beginning of the end. And that's why I'm picking Robert Whitaker because I don't think. I know that he fights like that, but I think when he fought Izzy, that was not how he normally fights. Does mm. does that make sense? Like I feel mm-hmm. like he did he picked the wrong game plan for Izzy, and now everybody thinks that Darren is gonna smoke him. No, he just picked a really bad game plan, and he overcommitted on a lot of his strikes. And like you said, he stuck his head out, and he got dealt with. I don't think he fights Darren like that. And also too, I don't think Darren can fight Robert Whitaker the same way like he fought Kelvin Gastelum in the same way he tried to fight Masvidal. He's not going to just stand, he's not, Robert Whitaker is not gonna let Darren Till stand in front of him and let him drop the one left hand bomb that he hit Masvidal with and, and, and Cowboy with. He's not gonna let him do that. He's gonna come at him with various combinations and keep mm-hmm. it moving. And I don't think Darren Till's gonna be able to just slow down and stalk him like the way he did with Kevin Gastelum. And I think if Robert Whitaker is healthy and firing on all cylinders, he can get it done. I don't see how, you know, somebody who has recently, you know, admitted that basically he was burnt out. I don't know how you fix burnt out. I don't know how you train mm. not to be burnt out. Not only that, this is somebody who had his internal organs rearranged. I just see that he's going to be a prime kind of candidate for Darren Till's strikes. I mean, I'm looking at teeps. I'm looking at, like, knees. I'm looking at... I, 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 for some reason, I've got it in my head that Darren Till's going to be walking him down with his arms up, like, you know, in that fence-type pose. And it's going to be mm. done either in the first or the second round. It's going to be over very, very quickly. I don't see this going to a decision. I just don't think that Whitaker is 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 mentally prepared for the war that you know Darren's going to bring. And once he mm-hmm. feels those blows, once he feels that kind of like marching style, I think he's going to want out of there. And one thing that concerned me from uh, the media day today was uh, Robert said that Darren literally just has a left hand, and I was just thinking if you if that if that's if what? that's what you think yeah. if that's what you think. 
it's 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 not oh, going to wow, be good I kind for of you. agree I, I don't I don't agree that he just has a left hand but I do think like that is a huge weapon that he likes to use quite mm-hmm. often and yes I did see the same video where he was practicing rehearsing those knees and I remember yeah. thinking the same thing Chisanga like oh you trying to land that when that man come in I don't even <laughs> yeah. fight and I know that's what you try to do you know, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying like I patted myself on the back like I know what you doing but, but not, yeah on you go carry on but i just i don't know i think that veteran experience those wars with yo um and i still think darren till don't laugh at me i still think he's developing i don't i'm not high up on him just yet and oh, he's, he's, he's fighting a guy that was a champion you know that's true that no, there's, there's, there's there's no doubt he's he is still developing but yes. at the same time is one of Darren's biggest weapons, which we've not really seen in the UFC, he, he's rarely used as Muay Thai kicks. His background yes. is Muay Thai. His elbows and, I mean, are vicious too. Yeah, his elbows are like, I think it's only a matter of time before he, he, well, starts, I, showcasing he, he starts showcasing that. Yeah. So, and I mean, this would be the perfect fight to do it as well. It'd be the perfect I, fight to do it. I don't see him doing that. He fights like, you know, like when he can't bully you, he fights like the way he did with Kelvin Gastelum. Like he just, he gets in their face and it becomes like this strategic chess match. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can fight like that against Robert Whitaker. He's going to piece him up. He's going to get in his face and he's going to fight him the same way Masvidal did. Like I'm coming straight at you. And if he doesn't leave his chin out there, I think he can get it done. God damn, this is so intriguing. And I love that I'm the only one standing by myself Yo. right now. I'm riding right. with Darren Till because I hold him <laughs> in such high regard. I feel like he only fought Kelvin Gaston like that because he just needed to win. I feel like he just had all this yeah. pressure. He was just like, man, yeah, I'm going to just clinch true. up with him. I'm yeah. just going to clinch. Because we've seen this man stalk people across the octagon relentlessly. We want to yep. talk about some of the best strikers in the UFC. He stalked Stephen Wonderboy Thompson now for 25 straight minutes. And we can say yep. you thought Stephen won. You could say he, you thought he won. But he still took Stephen five rounds. As a 20, what, four-year-old? And he dropped him. Like, this man is special. Yeah. Y'all going to realize this. I And I get it. Everyone loves Robert Whittaker. He's a nice guy. He's very talented. And I'm not going to sit here and... He's also very successful. Exactly. Like, I'm looking yeah. at like, those wars and, and how good he is and how those punches and mm. bunches and then that right foot come up and it's in your face and Derek Brunson is on the floor. Like, don't forget who this man is. <laughs> like, I don't know. The worst I've seen anybody fight anybody. That yeah, and Robert worst. Whitaker took yeah. care of business. He wore exactly. him out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Robert Whitaker is the truth. That's what you do. Yeah, that's what you do. That's what you know what I mean. And I think like if he's fired, if that's the Robert Whitaker that showed up, the one that fought Yoel, and and the one that I'm talking about, and y'all know who I'm talking about, the one that be on fire. Mm-hmm. I think he gets Darren Till, but I just I'm worried. I I hear what Mike is saying too. He sounds a little. Mike, it sounds like you're saying he's a little war torn. Mm. You know, he had his intestines turned upside down. It better not, yeah. it better not be so the Robert. Sorry, no, I need, no, I didn't mean to interrupt there. It better not be uh, the Robert one. I was about to say, yeah, it better not 100%. be the Robert to turn up in the second Yoel fight because we all know for sure Yoel Romero won that fucking fight. There you go. And then if he sticks his chin out the way he fought Izzy, okay, yeah, Darren Till might catch that chin, but I'm telling you, if this guy is healthy, firing on cil- on all cylinders, and it sounds and he sounds pretty confident. I don't know. I think we can get him, but we'll see. And I, and you know, I'm fine standing on my own, fellas. Y'all, y'all sit over there. I'm, I'm, I'm on this side. <laughs> well, we're just days away from finding out. That right wraps up this episode of the Wocast. You can catch us on socials. I'm at Mike Wotvg. G Spot MMA. 
Kisanga. Yo, the way you said the way you said that. <laughs> Yo, the way nobody you wanted said to go that. after me. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that. Yo, okay, right, all right. You can find me at Chisanga underscore Malata on Instagram and Twitter. And Kairos. <laughs> you can find. You can. Find, you, you can find me at Kairos MMA. <laughs> oh, Y'all God. can find him at Kairos MMA. I got you, Kairos. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before you go, uh, listeners, I've got one request for you this week. If you can head over to iTunes, leave a review, leave a star rating. We would love you long time. Until next time, make some trouble. I was not prepared for that. That's what I'm Bye.